It's all right. Amen. I think that some people thought Hurricane Irene was tonight. Hello. Everybody's at Walmart right now. So I'm going soon. Somebody say amen. I found out, um, I'm just weird. I went online and I looked at the name Irene. It's Greek for peace. Go figure that one. Anyhow, I'm excited. Let me just finish this cough drop. Look to your neighbor and say amen. I'm done. Okay. God bless you. I want to speak to you tonight on something very simple. If you're taking notes, write this down. The title for tonight is Staying the Course. Staying the Course. Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads real quickly. Let's just say a prayer. To Heavenly Father, we come here tonight to honor you, to give you the highest praise, to just come and hear a word from you, God. To, we came to give, first to give you praise and worship because you're King of Kings. You're the Lord of Lords, God. And secondly, we come to hear a word from you that will stir our hearts up, God, and compel us to move forward in our walk with you, God. We ask you tonight, God, that your word be spoken to our hearts, both young and old, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, as individuals, I would ask you today um, how your hunger for God is. How many of you know it's not easy being hungry for God? Amen. There's less people here tonight. I mean, I need you to talk back to me. Amen. You heard me? All right. You know, we've been on that topic for being thirsty and hungry for God, and I want to stay here a little while longer. But the question I have for you tonight is how do you stay hungry for God? How do you stay hungry? How do you continuously have a need for God? I want to just really speak to you. Not just how do we stay hungry, but how do we feed the hunger? In the time that we live, there's so many things available for us to do. Is there not? That every day, there's a thousand and one things you can do for entertainment. Entertainment is a multi-hundred billion dollar a year business. Entertainment, amen? Many of us, um, they're not sinful things that we do, but sometimes, how many of you would admit my life is distracted from my purpose? Anybody? One, two, I'll I'll stick with you, Emma. You're talking to me today. Uh, How can I possibly stay faithful to God? How can I possibly stay hungry for God if I'm always so, somebody say, distracted? You know, I I figured the youth would be here tonight, so I talked to some of the teens tonight. How do I, as a youth, stay hungry for God? I am so young. How can I stay hungry for God? Where am I missing the mark to live right for God? Where am I missing the mark to stay on fire for God? Where are we missing? Ask the person next to you, are you missing the mark? I think that some people in church don't want to hear how they're doing wrong. I've said it once and I'll say it again. I think some people rather be ruined by praise rather than saved by criticism. You rather I praise you until you're blue in the face, but if I ever criticize you, oh, don't tell me I'm doing something wrong. That's not, people don't like to be told they're doing something wrong. Just tell me I'm doing everything right. I'm going to go to heaven. Everything's going to be fine. I think many of you will get to heaven. The problem is you'll go there alone. And that is not God's plan for your life. Turn with me in your Bibles. I'm, I did something brave this week. You know, as a kid, my parents always told me something. Psalms 119 is the longest scripture, longest chapter in the Bible. And so I never read it because I was afraid to finish it. Anybody, anybody with me? Yvette, you are with me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Any of you with me? 119, that's just too long. I'm never going to read it. How many of you have ever read Psalms 119? The whole shebang. 
<laughs> Your hands went down like, I'm <laughs> it's, it's 177 verses, something like that. 176. I want you to turn to verse 9 if you brought your Bible. If not, follow with the Megatron as Ricky finds it. Psalms 119, verse 9. And I want to read a bunch of verses to you up until 24. And it reads this. And I'm reading my translation from the Living Bible. might be a little different, but I like the terminology better. How can a young man stay pure? By reading your word and following its rules. I have tried my best to find you. Don't let me wander off from your instructions. I have thought much about your words and stored them in my heart so that they would hold me back from sin. Blessed Lord, teach me your rules. I have recited your laws and, and rejoice in them more than in riches. I will meditate upon them and give them my full respect. I will delight in them and not forget them, Lord. Bless me with life so that I may obey you. Open my eyes to see the wonderful things within your word. I am but a pilgrim here on this earth. And how I need a map and your commands are my chart and my guide. I long for your instructions more than I can even tell. You rebuke those cursed proud ones who refuse your commands. Don't let them scorn me for obeying you, for even princes sit and talk against me. But I will continue in your plans. Your laws are both my light and my counselors. I think in those few passages of scripture, David answered some, he really um, provoked and answered some very uh, huge life questions that you might ask yourself. And uh, I think the main theme there, he's telling us how to stay faithful to God, how to stay the course. And I want to spend a few minutes, I want to tell you about six things. You ready? Number one, David says this. Number one, he says, be a doer of the word. That's the main thing he's telling you. Be a doer of the word. You want to know how to be faithful to God, how to, how to hunger for God? He says, be a doer. By reading your word, verse 9, and following its rules. David clearly states that in order to be pure before God, in order to really live like God, live after God, and stay hungry. Do you want to stay hungry for God? I don't know about you, but I go to some people, I see dead Christians. I hate seeing those dead Christians just waiting for Jesus to come back. Everything's done. Just waiting for the rapture. Anybody? With, in, when I was little, we just waited for the rapture of our lives. That's all we did was wait for the rapture since I was a kid. Jesus is coming. Don't play. Jesus is coming. I would have just sat down in the corner with a, with, a, with a couple of crackers and just waited for him to come. Y2K came. Jesus was coming. And some Christians live their entire life just waiting for Jesus and never doing nothing in the meantime. Somebody say amen. James really sounds off on what uh, David's saying in James 1.22. If you're writing notes, write that down. James 1.22. He says, be ye doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If you only hear the word of God and never put it into practice, you only deceive yourself. We've, we've heard this one before, right? I like the way the Message Bible says it. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word of God go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who would look in the mirror and walk away and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they even look like. 
We have to be a doer of the word. That is the first thing David said. How do I be pure? Question mark. I have to follow the word of God. I got to follow the word of God. We can't just read the word of God and never practice. The word of God is so powerful and it's alive. It has a heartbeat. It has a pulse. And if you would place it in your life, it will sustain you through the toughest of times. Amen. I know in my life it has been the word of God that has sustained me through many things. When you feel hopeless, it's the word of God that rises up hope in you or somebody speaking to you the word of God. Amen? Practice God's word. Don't just be hearers. We must be doers of the word of God. We deceive ourselves into an imitation Christianity. We become counterfeit Christians when we only hear the word of God and never put it into practice. I would hate to see some of you pass on and and not make it to heaven because you were a hearer of the word but not a doer. Many of our faith really is counterfeit. Our our experiences with God are based on somebody else's revelations. Many Christians in this church live off of one thing, and that's Sunday afternoon services. They don't read their Bible, don't pray, have no relationship with God, and depend on someone else's relationship and someone else's contact with God to be able to receive from him every week. That's counterfeit Christianity. Many, many will memorize a catchy Christian saying, a cliche Christian saying, and they have no authority in God, but they heard it from somebody else. They'll pass on an email and say, if you, don't lo- if you love God, you'll pass this on. But if you don't, pass this on. You don't love Jesus event. I never send those. I'm sorry. I love God, and I, th- this is my proof. My lifestyle, not an email. That's not even my name. But it has weird emails, you know. Somebody's nicknamed. I don't even know who you are. I can never tell who you are by your emails. Candy Musk. I would never know who that is, but I know it's Ruth Yvonne. I said, what's Ruth Yvonne's email, Lori? Candy Musk. Like, what? I'm just kidding, Yvonne. I love you. Somebody say amen. Your faith needs to be the real deal. Amen? Your faith has got to be real. Tell somebody next to you, your faith has got to be real. God does not, listen to this, God does not want you to be a parrot. You hearing me? God does not desire for you to be a parrot, repeating somebody, something else said, and something else. God wants you to have, Melvin, I don't know if they want to hear this. He wants you to open your Bible and to get a revelation for yourself. For the revelation you receive on Sunday is so you can give it to the world, not eat it yourself. But Christians are too busy living anorexic spiritual lives that they have to eat the food of the world every Sunday. Because a Sunday message is to compel you to live a life that will attract them, not you. But we eat everything. We eat the seed. You with me today? I don't want to counterfeit Christianity. We must work to stay pure by following God's rules. Don't covet Don't murder. Don't be envious. Don't gossip. Somebody say amen. Don't serve false gods. Love your neighbor. Love the Lord your God. Don't purposely find yourself in sin. Don't engage in homosexuality. Don't engage in premarital sex. Don't live with another person while you're unmarried, but in a relationship and put your trust in worldly possessions. You need to follow the word of God. The word of God is a blueprint for your life. Follow God and be pure by partaking of the word of God and following the word of God. We read the word, but we don't know the word. That's the truth. We read the word, but we don't know the word. We don't have an intimate relationship with the word of God. Maybe some of you teens depend on your parents' relationship with God. Don't you know by the time you're 12 years old, you are on your own spiritually? 
you little four, sitting there with you. You're on your own. Did you know that? My mom told me that when I was 11. Next year, you're on your own. What? What, mom? Go to hell all by yourself. Just, you know, that, that's what happened. And we think that we can get by on someone else's relationship with God. The word of God is called the bread of life. And that is how we fulfill the hunger of God for our lives. We feed ourselves the bread of life. When you keep on eating something over and over, you will grow a craving for it. See, here's the thing, though. If you, see, because some, some people can make something, and I won't take it. I won't eat that, because they don't cook that great. So, so sometimes you read the word of God and not take it right. and like, I don't like that. That's offensive. What do you mean I can't do this and can't? I don't like that. You have to learn how to take the word of God for what it is and not twist it for what you want. Amen? I love how people today, I don't think premarital sex is a sin today. Maybe back then, Yvette, it was a sin. But today, Pastor Carmen, I think God's different. I think we need to read the word of God and partake in what it says and live a holy life. Amen? Holiness is not popular in the church today. Number two, if you're taking notes, number one was be a doer of the word. Number two, seek God with everything. Seek God with everything. You can take all these to the bank. I'm telling you, you follow these simple precepts that David laid down, and you're going to, he was a man after God's own heart. And, and although he had his moments, he had sinful times, he was a man after God's heart. Amen. Verse 10, I have tried my best to find you. Don't let me wander off from your instructions. Some translations, maybe your Bible says that I have sought you, I'm seeking you with all of my heart. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he kind of chimed in on this in Jeremiah 29. Uh, verses 12 and 14. After God says, I know the plans I have for you. After all that, he says this. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me. Amen. When you seek me with all of your heart. How many of you want God to really know where you're at? How many of you want to find God in your lives? Anybody? I, I, maybe I just woke up. I, I just have this strange. Sometimes I think I'm different. I really want God in my life. And so I cannot have God. See, I need to understand this. It says here. I don't know if you could read this. I just maybe zoom it in for you guys or something. You will find him when you seek him. Right? No. When you seek him with all of your heart. When you seek him with everything. Give God everything. Give him your problem. Don't give him your bills. Those are yours. God going to pay my bill. No, he's not. <laughs> Leave it alone. Understand this. Then he goes on to say this. I love this part. Verse 14, Jeremiah 29. I will be found by you. I'm beginning to hate a statement from, from people. And I feel bad because usually it's a new, a new believer to tell me this. And I, I dislike this statement. And they, they walk up to me, Pastor, guess what? What? I found Jesus. I didn't know he was lost. He says, you are going to find me. You, I, I will be found by you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? That you, when you seek God with everything, when you give God your absolute best, 
David and Jeremiah, they're really on the same page of seeking God. He's saying to God, I am seeking you from the core of my being. With all that I am, I am chasing after you. Don't let me leave your presence. He says, don't let me leave your presence. Don't let sin overcome me and drive me away from you. David here is crying out to God. He's saying, Lord, do not let me. I don't want to fall apart. He says something. Don't let me depart from your instructions, meaning your, your word, your rules, your regulations. Don't let me depart from them. I think many of us here can agree. David is, is he's saying the sin, the grip of sin in my life, don't let it grab. Anybody have a grip of sin in your life? I'm just the only human one here. You have, a, you have things that compel you to sin every day? In situations, it passed the car, that was quick. You have those situations that just get at you. He says, God, don't let those wrestle me away from you. He doesn't say, Lord, I need your help to, to read and follow your rules so I don't depart from your ways. He declares, I have read your word. I have read your rules. Now, Lord, help me abstain from sin. James 8 declares, uh, uh, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James 4, 8. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. You do it first, then God comes second. You follow God, God comes to you. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 to 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me. When you seek me with all of your heart. You finding a pattern here? David says, I'll read your word and then I won't depart from sin. It always starts with us. You sit in that waiting for God to do something, God's kind of doing the same exact thing. He's waiting for you to start. 99.9% of what you expect from God, God expects from you. You expect God to move, God expects you to move. You expect God to speak, God expects you to speak. You expect God to bless you, God expects you to bless him. Anybody with me here? It starts with you. And so David says, Lord, I'm coming to your will. I'm reading your word. I'm giving you everything. Now, help me stay away from sin. Number three. I said number three. Number three. Place God in the center of your life. Place him in the center of your life. Verse 11 says this. I have thought much about your words and stored them up in my heart so that they would hold me back from sin. Verse 12, blessed Lord, teach me your rules. I have recited your laws and rejoiced in them more than riches. Your translation might read this. It says, uh, I have hid your words in my heart so that I would not sin. That's amazing. That went right over your heads. I have hid your word in my heart. So that I may not sin. He's not talking about a physical beating heart. David is really talking about a heart. The center of a person as defined in Hebrew and Greek. The center, the seat of intellect, the place of authority, the place of decision in your life. He says, I have put your word there so that everything that comes out of my heart will be filled with your word. Everything, every decision that I make comes out of my heart wrapped around your word. With your fingerprints all over it, I know I can't fail if you're in the center, God. I put you in the center of my life. I'm hearing your word. I'm putting it at the center of my life. He says, I thought much about your words and stored them in my heart. I've thought a lot about them. Alexis, I'm going to need you to stay still. I've thought a lot about your words. I haven't thought a little. 
Some, some, some uh, translations read, I've meditated on your word day and night. Joshua said, he, Joshua said, I believe it's Joshua 5. He said, I meditate on his word day and night. Don't let the words of this law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Let the word of God just be coming in and out of you. Let it always be a constant flow. He's not speaking of a physical place, but rather a spiritual center of your core. I've hit it in the seat of decision of my life. I've hit it in the place of authority of my life. What does that mean? If God's word is in the authoritative place in your life, everything you speak will be godly. Everything you say will edify someone. Everything you do will edify someone. Everything you do will build somebody up. I'm not even there yet. It's hard. Amen? But we must put God's word in the center of our life. We can't afford to have it to the left or to the right. David is describing the way we would all be living. He's declaring how God's word should be at the center of everything we do. Every choice we make should be wrapped around the word of God. Listen to what David also said in Psalms 37, 30. The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom. His tongue speaks what is just. The law of God is in his heart. His feet do not slip. You should, you should highlight this in your Bibles. Why does he speak wisdom? Why? Because God's word is in his heart. Why is he not going to slip? Because God's word is in his heart. Why is he not going to fail? Because God's word is in his heart. Speaking of the righteous man, the man who lives right before God, why does he not screw up? Why does he not have the, the hurts and the pains that some of us have? Because God's word is at the center of his heart. He's hid God's word in his heart. I would challenge you today that if we were true in our lives and we, we did what David is talking about, we wouldn't say half the things we say. We wouldn't have half the attitudes we have. We wouldn't have half the problems we have. We wouldn't deal with half the drama we have. We wouldn't deal with half the gossip we have. Oh, it's quiet today. We wouldn't have all the problems we have. You wouldn't watch half of what you watch. You wouldn't listen to half of what you listen to. If you knew maybe 90% of what you listened to or watched, if you had God's word at the center of your heart, you would it would change you instantly. You could not help but change. It would transform you. The Bible says that we should not be conformed to the world, but rather transformed by the word of God. What that means, conformed, means to wrap around something. I could take clay and wrap it, conform it to this bottle. But to be transformed by the word of God means to wrap my life around the word of God. You have to, you have to understand what the apostle Paul is saying there. And so he says, I would challenge you today that if you were to wrap God's word around your life, you would not be struggling the way you struggle. You would not have the questions before God that you have. You would not be waiting every day for a miracle. You would live blessed by God. God does not desire that you would live looking for a miracle every day. As we heard before, every time there was a miracle, there was first a great crisis. And so we always look for a miracle because we live our life in crisis. We live our life with a problem. We live our life broken. Oh, God, I need God to work something amazing. Oh, God, I don't know what it is. You know why? Because God's not the center of your life, whether you like it or not. Is your life overflowing with problems? God is not the center of your life. I'm sorry to tell you. Is your life overflowing with issues? God is not at the center of your life. I don't care whether you like that, you don't. God is not at the center of your life. He says clearly there, the mouth of a righteous man utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks what is just, because the law of God is in his heart. David is on to this. He's, he's, he's saying something repeatedly about the law of God in our hearts. Amen? He says it 
almost 10 times in this one chapter. Teach me your rules. This is the, the theme of his life in this chapter. Psalms 119.26. He says, I recounted my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Psalms 119.64. The earth is filled with your love, O God. Teach me your decrees. Verse 68, you are good, and what you do is good, so teach me your ways. Verse 71, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your ways. It was good for me to have a problem. It was good for me to go through the garbage that I went through because I was far from your will. So now teach me your ways. Uh, you have to, I love this. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before I had a problem, I was away from your will, God. And now I find myself in a mess. I don't know why. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. And he says in this verse, you know what? It was good that I was afflicted. It was good that I went through what I went through. It was good that my life went to heck in a handbasket. Why? Because I learned your ways, God. Because I was far from them. I thought I was good. I thought I was a good Christian. Anybody ever thought you were a good Christian and had a wake-up call one day? I've had those. I don't, I'm not afraid to say it. Met somebody else who was a real Christian. Like, oh, my God. Like, there's angels walking behind him. Ah! There's some people just, they're, they're really saved. Not super saved, real saved. If, I love hanging out with Pastor Philip. He's one of my favorite people in the whole world. You never have a dull moment with Pastor Philip. Hey, Felipe, how are you doing today? Just wakes you up in the morning, knocks on your door. Breakfast, Felipe. Pancakes. Just, he's awesome. He's real saved. He's not super saved. He's real saved. You know, how, you know how sometimes, let's be honest today, it's Friday night, not everybody's here, they thought the storm was coming tonight. Listen, you know how sometimes you're by yourself and you have those wicked thoughts? You're with somebody close to you and you have no problem saying F you? <laughs> not that one. You watch the stuff you shouldn't watch. You say the things you shouldn't say. He's not like that. He's not. What you see is what you get. 14 years now, I've known him about 14 years, right? What you see is what you get. He's a real man of God. And it's like, you know what? That's who I want to be. I want to be like somebody like that. I don't, I don't care about anybody else in the world. I don't care about the Kardashians. I don't care about the, all, the, all these superstars, all the people. Conviction, second row, middle. <laughs> you know, I don't care about what the world is doing. Do you know why? Do you know I don't care what the world is doing? Because they're going to hell. Why should I care what they're wearing, what they're doing, what they're saying, who they're dating, how many kids they got, or what their names are? Or let me see a picture of so-and-so's kid dying for a picture of Michael Jackson's kids years ago. What do I care? Let me seek godly things. Verse 124, same chapter. Deal with your servant according to your love and teach me your decrees. Verse 135, make your face shine upon your servant and teach me. David is onto something here. He's begging God 12, 10 times in the scripture. God, teach me your word. You know what's amazing? It's right in front of him. He's looking at the law of Moses right there. It is dead in front of his face, and he still says, God, teach me your ways. Sometimes you can know God's word, but you can't know his ways. That's a whole different preaching. I'm not going to go into that today. We know David was a sinner. He was a murderer. David was an adulterer. David had a huge sex problem. He had sexually immoral problems all of his life. I've told you that many times. I told you that when he died, they threw a virgin into his bed, and when he ain't touching, they said, oh, he's dead. Read The Bible tells it. Read it. I'm telling you. 
David had a real problem, but yet David was a man after God's own heart because he desired to know God in his life. I believe it's in Psalms 27. He said, I want one thing. I want to be in the house of God. That's all I want. I want to be in the house of God. Man, some of us, it's a challenge to get to church. And David said, all I want is to be in the house of God. David is on to something here. Verse, he says, uh, he, says he declares that he, we will give God his full respect. I, I love that scripture. I'll give your word my full respect. Sometimes we don't give God, God's word the respect it deserves. We read it and say it, and we even quote it in a joke. We don't respect the word of God. I mean, I, I don't believe in super, super. I don't believe in standing up in church while you read the scripture because you don't stand up at home, do you? I just, <laughs> I'm just saying. But we don't respect the word of God sometimes. We don't, we don't care. We read it as if it's just a, a book. Instead of realizing it's the word of God, it's the verbal word of God. God's word is truth, amen? In verse 13, he, uh, David, he, he, he recites God's word. Many here might be able to quote a scripture that we never, never tell you where it's at. You can tell me a scripture. You know, you can probably tell me, but you won't tell me where it's at because we don't respect God. We don't know God's word. He said, I meditate and I recite it day and night. I'm always going over this stuff, he says. Teach me your word, God. Teach me your word. David values the word of God. He says, I take pleasure in your word greater than riches of silver and gold. Some of you people might not understand that, that God's word is worth more than money. David's son Solomon agrees when he writes this in Proverbs 8.10. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. God speaking of his glory, his word, his wisdom, his instructions. He said nothing you can seek. Nothing, nothing. Listen to me. There is nothing more important and more valuable than the word of God in your life. Not $10, not $100, not $1,000. I think if I can get a Bible for 80 bucks, that's a steal. It's worth millions. It's worth billions. There's no, it's priceless. It is the word of God. Somebody say amen. Proverbs 8, 18. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold, and what I yield surpasses silver. Or choice silver. We spend so much time sometimes on our, on our careers, on everything else, but the Word of God tells you how to make money. The Word of God tells you the principles of, of keeping money, of using money. We don't understand that. We rather, we don't seek the wisdom of the Word of God. God said to Solomon, God gave Solomon an option. I will give you anything you ask for. Just one thing, ask for it. Any one thing, anything, I will give it to you. What would you ask God for? What would you, what would you ask God for? He gave you one thing. Anybody? What would you ask God for? We would ask God for money. I can deal with a million dollars, Lord. Just a house. Just a couple. Anybody? Anybody? Nobody want to give it there? Like, no, Pastor, I'm not going to do it. Some of you know the answer. Trying to be holy. I would ask for wisdom. No, you would ask for a couple hundred million. You would ask to hit the lottery. But Solomon said, you know what? Just give me wisdom. Make me smart. Solomon was the richest man who ever lived. The Bible says that when the queen of Sheba came to see Solomon's wealth, his wealth was so great, she didn't even see him. She just saw his servants, and the Bible says her spirit left her. She couldn't even stand. 
she was so amazed at looking at his house, his palace, and his servants. The Bible says Solomon's servants were dripping in jewelry, gold, rubies, fine things, and diamonds, fine linens. They were like, they were, they were dressed almost as good as some other kings because he had wisdom. He had the word of God. He had the instruction of God. I think we, we need the instruction of God. God's word needs to be the center of our lives. Amen? Verse 17, number four here. This is really good. I don't know if you might like this one. I'm almost done here. Four. Are you ready for this? Tiana, you ready? You good? You ready? Everybody ready? I don't know if you're ready for this. I don't know. Mike, you ready? Number four. Okay. Live to obey God. Isn't this amazing? Verse 17. David is onto something here. He says, bless me with life so that I can continue to obey you. I don't know, man. Me, me? Like, bless me with life, God, so I can see my grandkids' grandkids. Bless me with life, God, so I can finish my career. Bless me with life, God, so I can go across the world preaching. Bless me with life, God, so I can get the, the dream house that I want. Bless me with life. We have a million reasons to bless us with life. But he said, no, God, bless me with life so that I can obey you. I want to obey you, Lord. Open my eyes to see the wonderful things within your word. He wants to live, to obey God, and to see the great things in God's word. Some of us want to live for stupid things compared to that. I mean, how do you trump that? God, I want to live simply to obey your word. Amen? Number five. Allow God's word. To guide your path. Verse 19. I am but a pilgrim here on earth. How I need a map and your commands are my chart and guide. I long for your instructions more than I can even tell. This is a beautiful scripture. This is beautiful. I'm but a pilgrim. I'm just someone on a long journey. I know what a pilgrim is. Someone on a long spiritual journey. And he says, Lord, I'm just a pilgrim. I need your word to be my chart. I need your word to be my guide. God, I cannot do this on my church. You cannot do what you're trying to do on your own. You cannot find your way with three days of reading God's word a week. Four days, you are lost. You cannot afford to read God's word five days a week. Two days, you're lost. You cannot afford to not have a relationship with God every day of the week because you are lost and you wonder why your life is so tumultuous and you have so many issues. You are lost without God. He says, I need your word to be my chart and my guide. I need your word to be my chart. Guide me. I long for your instructions more than I can tell. How many of you are really waiting for God to tell you what to do? Some of us hate being told what to do. Hate being told what you're doing wrong, let alone being told what to do right. He says, I can't even tell you how much I want you to tell me what to do. I think, I think David was rahatabla. He was, he was really old school. Correct me, Lord. Whip me if you have to, God. Whatever you got to do, just do it, God. I want to follow your way. I want to follow your word. Amen? Anybody here want to follow God's ways? David said, I'm not of this world, but your commands are my chart. And my God, 
So, Lord, guide me. Lord, guide me. He says, number six, number six. This might get a little troublesome here for some of y'all. Never allow. It's a little long, but it's all right. Never allow someone else's, someone else's opinion mold you. Never allow someone else's opinion of you mold you. Now, verse 21, he says, you rebuke those cursed proud ones who refuse your word. If you're sitting here saying, I don't need God's word every day, I don't need it, God says you are cursed. If you don't read God's word every day, you're not searching for him, you're not seeking him with all your heart like you're supposed to do, the Bible says right there, you are cursed. I know that's not cool, that's not popular, you are cursed. And God's curses are like his blessings, they're everlasting. Somebody say amen. Verse 22, don't let them scorn me for obeying you. Some people aren't going to like you for obeying God, amen? For even princes sit and talk against me, but I will continue in your plans. Your laws are both my light and my counselors. God judges those who don't follow his laws. This is simple. David said even those in high places talk against him, amen? David said those in high places. I need you to understand, who was David? King of Israel. He says the princes, my sons, my own family, they make fun of me for following you, God. Isn't that deep there? Understand this. My own kin, my own offspring, the, the, my, my, my loins, they, they make fun of me. They, they rebuke me. They, they curse me. They scorn me for following after God. Some people very close to you might be the ones that say, you're, you're fake Christianity. And I remember something that changed my life. I'd, I'd never be the same after this. Truly. I was, I was about, maybe I was about, uh, I was 19 years old. I was 19 years old. One of the time I really decided to serve God, I'd come back from a youth camp in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and um, I ran into one of my friends, and uh, he asked me if I wanted to go smoke, and I said, no, I'm not into that stuff no more, and you know what he said to me? He said to me, he said, did you just come back from youth camp? I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, all right, I'll come back in a couple weeks, because he knew in a couple weeks I would compromise my faith. I'll go back to the old person I was. Usually it's about two, two weeks to five weeks. Was, that was the set point. Anybody with me there? Youth campers, y'all with me? Two to five weeks, and we were backslidden. Yvette doesn't want to look. She just smiles. I saw that girl. Two to five weeks, we were done. Maybe, maybe two months if we were good. If we stuck together, three months, and we were strong. And then when we got tired of the same songs we sang from the camp, we were just, it was over. The viral was over for kids. And that changed my life because I was said, you know, I'm never giving up on God again. I'm not going to let these people talk about it. I'm not going to have that. And so I tried my best after that day to chase God to the best of my ability. Yes, Sometimes I failed. Yes, sometimes I had hard times. But I won't allow anyone's opinion of me to mold me. What you think of me is not who I am. Amen? That should be your outlook. So what if they call you super saved? Don't let their opinion mold you. Don't wait for change. Be the change that God is looking for. Be the fire for God that he's looking for. You know, the problem is, honestly, the problem is the church is trying to find the balance between serving God and living their life. Instead of realizing living their life should be serving God. I think that's a big problem. I think Christians treat God like dessert. Instead of the main course, he's optional. If I have enough room left over, then, then God can have some of me. There's three reasons why we don't have dessert. One, we're full. Two, 
Don't have enough time. Three, can't afford it. Kind of all the reasons we don't serve God the way we should. We're too full of crap in our lives. Problems, my, my issues. I've been trying so hard for so long. You haven't been trying. You've lived a half-hearted faith most of your life, and that's why you settled on that plateau of just half-heartedness. You with me today? Don't have time for God. We're just full of stuff. Don't have time. Just busy, busy, busy. Never have time for God. We can't afford God. It's just, it's too much. I have to give up too much. Tithes? No, tithes? No, that's not of God. That's the law. That's Moses, the law. They don't realize that started with Abraham and Melchizedek before the law, but that's besides, whatever. Three reasons why we don't serve God the way we should. We're full, we're busy, and we just don't want to afford it. Too many things to give up to really serve God. Ask yourself, why aren't you really serving God the way you want, the way he wants you to? Because you have to be a whole different person. That's why. And you'll like who you are. Anybody, anybody with you so far? Man, why are you putting your books away, Manny? Don't have time for God? You too full already, Manny? Oh, man. Write this question down if you have your notes out still. We're going to give Manny a second here to open his book up. I'm almost done here, I promise you. But I have some really good things for you here. My point today is provoke you to think, amen? Ask this question to yourself when you go home. What hinders my walk with God? Bobby, what hinders your walk with God? What stops you from being the real man of God that God's called you to be? The woman of God God's called you to be? I didn't mean that, Joey. I looked at you and said woman, but I was just talking in general. Amen? Every day you wake up and need to ask yourself, where am I missing the mark? I think the greatest motivation for changing your life is self-evaluation. But I think one of the scariest things you can do is evaluate yourself. Not everybody wants to sit there and say what they have wrong with them. People don't like that. You want me to say, I'm great. I go to church four times a month. I always pay my tithes. They don't want to say I'm a gossip, I'm a doubter, I'm a worry rat, have no faith in God, never trusted God, can't trust people, so I can't trust God. Somebody with me today? What hinders me in my walk with God? So many times we don't chase God for more. I think many of us are afraid to fail in God. I think many of us are afraid to step out into ministry. We are afraid to fail. We all fail at one time or another, but we must stay the course for God. Amen? Can I tell you something? Failure is a necessity. If you find yourself failing in life, thank God. Honestly, failure is a necessity. Without failure, we wouldn't have light bulbs. Without failure, we wouldn't even have microwaves. Without failure, the majority of all inventions were started because of failures. Winston Churchill said this. Success consists of going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. Don't lose the joy of God. Don't lose the joy of God. I'm telling you, don't lose your joy for godly things. You can go from one failure to the next with enthusiasm and still be on fire for God, no matter what comes your way. When you find yourself in the grind, it's not God putting you through something. It's you reaping what you've sowed. Deal with it. Grow up. This is life. God's testing me. No, he is not. You did some bad things. You're getting the seed of what you... That's it. That's it. You with me today? Napoleon Hill said this. Most great people have attained their greatest success just one step beyond their greatest failures. Most people have obtained their greatest success one step outside of their greatest failure. 
Don't give up after you fail. You with me? Your greatest blessing is after your greatest failure. David sinned, completely sinned, murdered, adultered, lied. God took, killed the baby. What happened next? Solomon happened next. The siege to the throne of God. Your greatest failure leads to your greatest miracle. Your greatest miracle and your greatest failure have the same name. Moses murdered somebody, kicked out of Egypt, thrown in the desert. What happened there? He met God. Outside of his failure was one step further, his greatest moment in his life. You finding a trend here? Thomas Edison said this, and I'll close with this. Show me a thoroughly satisfied man, and I will show you a failure. Show me someone who's satisfied with their life and their failure. Someone who says, I'm good. I don't need nothing else. They're a failure. They strive for nothing, live for nothing. Show me somebody who's all just satisfied with everything. I'm just good. Everything's great. I don't need nothing more, nothing less. They are a failure. Once you're satisfied with your walk with God, you fail because you fail to please God. God wants you moving God wants you working. God wants you going towards the goal. God wants you being soul winners. God wants us being worshipers, teachers, evangelists. God desires for you to change people. Amen? I think David's really on to something here. The basis of everything he said was, God, I want to follow your word. I want to give you my everything by placing your word in the center of my heart. By living to obey you, no matter what nobody says about me. I'm going to live for you, God. David is on to something here. You want to change your life? You want to be on fire for you, God? Always hungry for God? Surround your life with the Word of God. Don't compromise anymore. Surround your life with the Word of God. Amen? Come on, stand with me. Come on, with every head bowed and every eye closed. As Manny puts his books away for the second time this evening. Got this wrong again. Come on, with every head bowed and every eye closed. We just want to come together right now and just say a prayer. Because, you know, I can ask you to the front, but truth be told... Wrapping God's word around your life starts at home. Not at the altar, amen? Putting God at the center of your life starts right at home. Don't be satisfied. Don't be satisfied with God. Don't let failure stop you. But push past it, amen? Oh, Father God, we just come to your presence right now, Holy Spirit. You know, Father God, to anyone tonight who's received this word and are putting it into good soil tonight, God, help us right now, Holy Spirit, that we would simply put your word at the center of our lives. Father, that we would chase after you, God, that we would seek you, God, that we would put everything in our lives through your word, that everything I say would be filtered with your desires from my life. Everything I do will be filtered for your word, God. And so that I will question everything, God. And I will put you first above all else, God. God, help me to live for you, Holy Spirit. To do things for you. To chase after you. 
and to never let anything stop me from serving you the best of my ability. Come on, is anybody prayer tonight? I want to serve God the best way that I can. I want to give God my absolute best every day, every way, every moment, every how. God's will be done in my life. God's word be spoken in my heart. God, I want to take everything that I have and give it to you. I give you total control, God. I give you my everything, God. I give you my best, God. As David said, how can I live pure? By reading your word and following your rules. And so we pray right now that you would give us strength, God, to follow your will. Strength, God, to follow your word. Teach us, God, tonight. As we wake up tomorrow morning, God, guide us in our every step, God. Your word and your instructions. Your commands, God, are my guide and my compass. And we need you now, Holy Spirit. We need you now, Father God, in Jesus' name we pray. Come on, the church say amen. You can have your seat. And our Lord, we have some closing announcements for you guys.